Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The film is called After Midnight, and we are joined today by one of the co-directors of the film, and that would be Christian Stella. The other direct co-director is Jeremy Gardner, but uh, Christian was kind enough to join us today. Let me describe a little bit about the film. Uh, a For a small-town bar owner, Hank, in his 10-year relationship with Abby, has been a st- of storybook quality. Abby, however, wants more. She wants marriage. She wants to have children. There are a lot of things going on in this film. This pressure between Abby and Hank builds and builds, and then Abby leaves for a, a period of time, leaving Hank to contemplate the future in the meantime while Abby is away. An unseen monster claws at Hank's front door at night and this intense sort of buildup as to what's going on, why is Hank losing his mind, what is going on. All of this provides a really wonderful and fun uh, film experience called After Midnight. And with that, I'd like to introduce uh, the uh, co-director, Christian Stella. Christian, welcome to Film School Radio. How are you? I'm good. Good. I, listen, I think I kind of butchered some of that. If you want to kind of clean that up, uh, feel free to. Uh, I know you're also the the cinematographer as well as co-director, but what, where did I go off the tracks in my describing of After Midnight? I, you didn't go off the tracks. I mean, it's the, it, the easiest way to describe it is it's a romance, uh, a romantic horror movie. Oh, it's a, it's, you know, it's, it's perfect for Valentine's Day, but yeah. it also does have a monster in it. <laughs> a, a full-on practical effects monster. Yeah. Well, and I, I, oh, wow. I, I almost feel like we need not to go too far down that road because there is the element of doubt in the film that I think is one of the things that I really enjoyed about it is, is Hank just losing his effing mind here? Uh, so, so there's just a lot going on in the film. Tell me where the story came from. Who, who was the, uh, the author of this? Uh, it started, Jeremy started writing the script uh, probably ten, close to 10 years ago now. And uh, he, he uh, wrote three pages, and he said, let's do an experiment. Uh, sent me the three pages and said, you write the next three pages. Oh, so wow. I wrote three pages, yeah. sent it back to him, and then he wrote three more, started writing dialogue into it. I got it back, and I went, oh, no, like these people are too Florida for me. Uh, even though I live in Florida, I was like, I don't know how to write these characters. I'm like, they were his characters. And I realized, oh, I can't, I was like, I can't do this experiment anymore. And so I quit. <laughs> Thankfully, he continued on, finished the script. Uh, and by the end of it, he had gotten rid of all of this, like, all of this kind of rednecky dialect. He had gotten rid of it. And it was like, well, that was the thing that was keeping me from doing it in the first place. <laughs> So it's not in the final movie. Well, there's there's certainly cultural elements of that in the film. Um, I'm thinking of one of the characters here. Wade seems to be Florida-ish. I mean, is that Floridian-ish? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, they're no, they're definitely Florida characters, but they're they're not as stereotypes as right. like you know as I I was worried originally. Okay. It's like one of those things where, especially when you read it on the page, it's like, oh boy, but no. Yeah, no, it, it's a fun film, and so which of you introduced the horror part? Was it? Did it start as a love story? Did it start out as the sort of this 
multi-genre uh, conglomeration of a film story. I think at the time, at the time, Jeremy was Jeremy was going through troubles in his relationship that he was in at the time, and I think he wanted he needed an outlet to express all those problems. And actually, a lot of a lot of the uh, issues that the that the couple has in the movie were actually Jeremy's issues at the time. Um, and you know, like he put them, he he put them onto Abby, the the uh, female lead. Yeah. But they were his issues in his real life relationship, and uh, so it was definitely his his story that he wanted to express. Which is another reason I just there's no way I could have helped. Uh, it's way too much a part of him. But he's in a happy relationship now. Yeah. In fact, I think he's at a Valentine's Day lunch right now. That's why he <laughs> couldn't be on. <laughs> awesome. Good for him. Way to go, Jeremy. Uh, well, the the film starts out as this kind of romantic, almost like a beer commercial kind of vibe to what's, you know, the relationship and everything's going great. And, and by the way, uh, before we get too far down the road of describing the film, as a cinematographer, I, I think that is one, if not the strongest element in the film, uh, is the the look of it. And this is the thing about independent filmmaking, and I, I so enjoy it when I see it in a film, and that is being able to have a distinctive look that you establish right away in the film, the way that you're able to kind of capture that ambiance of a look and feel that you carry through the entire film is so important, and I thought that it just does that right away. It, even though I described this sort of love story, uh, beautiful, you know, <laughs> sort of montage of things happening in their life, there. But also, you're very quickly able to in, introduce this kind of ominous vibe to things as well. So it's back and forth, and it doesn't. And I don't want to say too much about describing the film because I want people to see it. But uh, congratulations to you. T- tell me a little bit about your your background as a as a filmmaker. Uh, I'm actually, uh, I actually I started as a uh, food photographer. <laughs> I mean, I I'm a I'm a self-taught food photographer. Wow! And uh, like nine years ago, Jeremy uh, had written this script for a movie called The Battery, and he was like, "Hey, uh, can't your food photography camera shoot a movie?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And he's like, well, "Come shoot this movie with me." So I went out, and I had been on I had been working on some cookbook projects. I had no time to practice at all and just started shooting a movie with maybe a couple days of researching online, like, how do you, how do you film anything? Um, wow. And so we went and shot that movie for $6,000. You know, I just basically was thrown into it, which is one of the reasons why I, I shoot a lot of kind of static, wide, almost landscape-type shots because I, I, I see things a lot more like a photograph. And I, you know, I didn't go to film school. I, I don't have any of that classical training. And so then that movie did really well. And so when it came time to do After Midnight, I had learned a lot more, but I wanted to kind of look back at the battery and say, okay, what made my style in the battery so successful? And how do I reproduce that on, on a bigger level? Because suddenly we had you know, a whole truck of equipment and we were shooting on an 8K RED like I had to actually subtract from the toys that I had to play with. I had to actually subtract from it to mm. to kind of keep the feel of you know of what made what makes our movies special. Well, just going back to Battery and your experience in making that film, what did you take from 
photographing food that carried over into the realm of filmmaking, or did you just have to completely wipe the slate clean and, and begin anew? I think, I think for me, it, it, it was about carefully framing and, and being like, to me, I, I feel like when you're taking a photograph, you have that one final photograph. And I think everybody else looks at the, the scene as a whole and getting all these different bits of coverage and so on. And we especially, if we look at a scene when we're, when we're blocking it out, we go, if it can live in one shot, we try to do that as often as possible. And we just try to make sure that that shot is a really good one. Yeah. And one that's, one that's dynamically interesting without needing cuts. Because it's like, there's no, it, it helps you focus in on the acting. There's nowhere to hide right. in, in something like that. Right. I think I'm doing a crappy job of describing just how fun this film is uh, and how Jeremy Gardner, as Hank, is so good in that role. Um, he really feels, he's a natural and in terms of kind of the angst of it all, he's got a sense of humor. He's he's a guy that just really the he feel it feels like he really a lived in role for him. And if if that's a good way to describe it, it just it yeah. feels like very natural for him. And then Bri- yeah, we see a lot of we see a lot of reviews that like they say the movie is a comedy, uh, a comedy horror romance or what like that it splits genres and so on. Yeah. And we think that, honestly, there's just, that's just real life. Like, real life, there's humor in every day. There's, yeah. there's sadness. There's, you know, fear. There's all of these things. They all, that's just, to us, that's just life. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be that we're meshing genres or something. Right. I think we're just trying to be authentic. And then uh, let's talk about Brie Grant, who is uh, terrific as Abby. I just felt like she, she's uh, this beautiful, you know, sexy, wonderful girlfriend. And but they've been together for a long time, so they've kind of hit that patch where what are we doing? Where, where are we going from here? Is this it? Or is this we're going to take it to the next uh, point in uh, in our lives uh, where it matters more and all that stuff? And she's wonderful in that role. And just solid acting as well. Just everyone in the film. I just it was so impressive to watch people uh, who just, it just feels like it was an ensemble piece in so many ways. But I mean, Abby and Hank are just, they're great. The, the bit players, uh, the smaller roles are, are just wonderfully um, crafted. They just did a great job. How did you cast? Are these friends? Are they people that you casted from a cold call? How did they all come into it? Uh, I mean, some of the some of the, uh, the some of the smaller roles were cold calls here in Florida where we shot. But Bria was we went out to Bria. It actually, it was funny because we had to finance it. The financiers wanted to um, see the uh, auditions from the leads, and uh, like I think they even made Jeremy uh, like record a tape because they're like, this guy thinks he can write, direct, and act. Yeah, you know, and so. Uh, we went out to uh, we went out to Bria, and she was like, I think uh, on the smaller indie movies, no one ever asks her to audition on these smaller movies. And she was like, they're going to make me audition. I'll show them. And she and she uh, <laughs> memorized and did the. And she has a monologue in the movie. She did the entire monologue from memory and uh, sent it back to us. And we watched it and went, oh yeah, okay, like. <laughs> 
there's like she definitely if she didn't have it before she definitely has it now yeah. yeah um and and we were like at this we were like this is this is uh we had final cut on the movie and we were like oh no we will plant a flag on this one if, <laughs> if the finances don't thankfully they were like of course go go for it wonderful wonderful i want to let our listeners know we're talking with the co-director christian stella as the other director would be jeremy gardner of this wonderful film called after midnight and it's opening today in los angeles uh christian it's opening where uh, it's opening at the arena cine lounge terrific and terrific theater there's q and a's uh every night for i think the next four nights excellent very good. And that Cine Lounge is in Los Angeles. It's, uh, I believe it's like off Hollywood Boulevard. It's, it's, you can't miss it. I mean, it's one of those theaters been around now. A lot of wonderful indie films uh, roll through there. And great. So Q&As uh, to, for at least the next couple of nights over the weekend and sounds like even into Monday uh, as well. So what's the, re- the reaction to the film has been pretty darn good. And I, I don't like to drag out th- this, but I will for this film. Yeah, I think it's at ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I, yeah, it's like it's at like ninety five. Is it? Yeah, 90, we, okay, we, we were at a hundred until yesterday. <laughs> it's like watching election returns, isn't it? You know, oh, <laughs> <darn>. <laughs> we all knew it was going to happen. You know, just, just, you're just waiting for until the one. Yeah, it's like oh darn. Well, ninety five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Again, this film was probably made. I'm guessing for not a lot of money. But this is again one of the one of the things I just love about films like After Midnight and, and other films that just take a great idea and really play it out. And I just think this, you know, the monster at the door is a metaphor. It's could be real. I don't know how much I want to say about it. It could be real. It could be just a metaphor. It could be a lot of different things. But the way that it plays in the film and the way that it plays into the psyche of Hank. It, and to Bria as well, or I'm sorry, sorry to Abby. Pardon me. Is just uh, ah, I love it. I just think the, this I the creative. I love creative filmmaking, and I don't. Again, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think this had a, a, a an eight million dollar budget, did it? Oh no, no. <laughs> uh, well, I think that if we had an eight million dollar budget, they would make me move the camera a little bit more. Well. And again, I'm going to say, I thought you did a wonderful job. There's some great shots that shot from the back of the pickup truck. Just some wonderful kind of sort of jarring stuff that happens in the course of the movie. And any great horror movie has to have those, you know, scare the pants off you moments. And I think the way you guys worked all of that into it is just really works well. Really terrific stuff. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, well, good. I hope you and Jeremy continue to work together. It sounds like you're buds, and, and this is something that uh, your collaboration on this, and I'm sure on Battery, was uh, pretty terrific stuff as well. So continue to do what you're doing. Thank you so very much uh, for the film After Midnight. And uh, anything you want to leave our listeners with? To, is this- uh, not, not, uh, only that you, it's also available to rent and buy like anywhere online, any digital iTunes, Voodoo. Amazon. Great. So it's it's not only in theaters, it's it's on demand as well. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I'm so thank thank you for letting us know. You can see it at the Cine Lounge this week, but also you can get it anywhere online. Sounds good. Christian Stella, thank you so very much for your time today. Congratulations on After Midnight. Let Jeremy know uh, as well uh, that I think it's a terrific film and I wish you all the best moving forward. All right. Thank you so much.
You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.